morning, everyone. The sermon this morning will be the last message in the current sermon series from the book of 1 Peter. Last week, I really felt that the Lord gave me a message to share to the global Christian church. The message being that we need to get back to preaching and living the entire gospel. Now, I realize some of the word in last week's message could have been convicting for some of us. It was convicting for me. But I also know that the Lord Jesus is wanting his church to get serious, to get serious about sin, so we are prepared for the days ahead. Now, I'm not a prophet, obviously. I can't predict the future unless the Lord reveals something specific to me about the future, which I can tell you he hasn't done for me, except for what God has already revealed to all of us through his word, which is the Bible. Although I skipped over some parts of 1 Peter throughout this series due to the limited amount of time that I have to give a sermon, I do believe I hit on the parts that God wanted me to proclaim to you about being prepared. The two main themes God wants his church to take to heart are to think like Jesus thinks and to live as Jesus lived. Also, we can be prepared for what lies ahead in the days to come. Now, today's message may seem at first to be like a doom and gloom message, but I pray that you will not get so caught up in those parts of this message and miss the bigger point. I pray you don't miss the bigger point that God wants me to get across to you today. The purpose of today's message is to understand what God has revealed to us through his word on what lies ahead for this world. So that his church can be the light of truth through all the darkness that is to come upon this world. Last week we were mainly in the first few verses of 1 Peter chapter 4. In the beginning of this chapter, Peter implores the Christian to take on the same attitude of Jesus Christ towards sin, <coughs> which is to let your sin die on the cross through faith as Jesus died on the cross for you. So you can then rise again in the holiness of Jesus Christ to live in this world just as Jesus lived, to live in peace, to live in hope, and to, of course, live in the love of Christ. Now, before giving more instructions on how to live as Jesus lived, Peter starts by giving the church a warning. Well, let me correct that. Today, some may take what Peter writes as a warning. But for the early day Christ followers, what Peter wrote wasn't taken as a warning for them. It was taken as a message of hope. Starting in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4 of 1 Peter, Peter writes, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Above all, 
Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. <clears throat> now that's interesting to me. That before Peter gives some detailed instructions on how to live like Jesus lived, such as loving each other deeply, Peter starts by giving them this warning, or in this case, for the faithful, a word of hope. Peter writes, the end of all things is near. Now, biblical and church scholars will tell you that the early church faithful, the early Christians, always lived in anticipation that the world as they knew it, as we know it, could end at any time. And that Jesus could return to this earth at any time to bring upon judgment upon the unbelieving world and establish his kingdom here on earth forever. This wasn't a message, as Peter writes to them, this wasn't a message of doom for Christians. This was a message of hope for the early day Christ followers who were facing extreme persecution. Christians in the early days of the church would even encourage each other of this hope that they had when they greeted one another. Now today in the church we greet each other with a handshake or a hug when we see another brother or sister in Christ. Well maybe not much anymore due to the pandemic and the social physical distancing we're all doing but this is how we normally greet one another with a handshake or a hug but in the early church the christians they greeted each other with a word it was a word in aramaic the aramaic language and that word was maranatha in the early days of the church when two christians walked past one another on the street, for instance, they would whisper to each other, Maranatha, as they walked by. It was, in a way, a code word between Christians. A word of encouragement to your brother or sister in Christ. To keep the hope. To keep the faith. To keep moving forward. Maranatha meant the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. It's all going to be all right. As I mentioned, Christians in the early day church were facing such terrible persecution. It would have been easy for them just to give up. If you were a Christ follower back then, on any given day, one of your brothers or sisters in Christ would be arrested could be arrested, arrested, hung on a pole and lit on fire, for instance, or thrown to lions as spectators gathered around to cheer on those lions. It was a horrible situation for the early day Christ followers. And they needed to encourage one another. And they needed that encouragement from each other to remind them of the hope they had and the strength that they had in Christ to move forward living boldly for Jesus in this fallen world Maranatha the Lord is coming that was all the encouragement 
a believer needed to live fearlessly, to live in strength, to give hope, and to live in that hope, and to allow them to love each other well, and even love their enemies. <coughs> Peter begins in verse 7, reminding the Christian again, the, all, the end of all things is near. Or in other words, what Peter's saying here is, the Lord is coming. He's coming soon. Now some may mock and say, well, that was almost 2,000 years ago. And the Lord still hasn't re returned. True. And I'm going to get into that before the end of this sermon. But the point for the Christians back then was not to worry about when the world would end or the world as they knew it and when Christ would return. That wasn't their concern. What it came down to for the Christian mind in the early church was to live in this world like there was no tomorrow. At least no tomorrow as we know it. The tomorrow for the Christian is the tomorrow that Jesus can return at any moment. And there is no better tomorrow than that. So Peter follows this up by writing to the Christian to be clear-minded and to be self-controlled. And Peter tells the Christian that they need to be, and why Peter tells the Christian to be clear-minded and self-controlled is so, it says in this verse, so they can pray. When you're not clear-minded and not having any self-control in truth, you see, you won't be able to pray effectively. Let me repeat that. When you are not clear-minded and self-controlled in truth, you won't be able to pray effectively. And sadly, some Christians will just give up altogether when the extreme stress comes their way. You see, Peter connects the truth of the nearness of the end or the return of Christ to prayer. That's very interesting to me because Jesus gave his followers the same instructions when he was speaking of the end of days and his second coming to earth. Now, if you have your Bible with you, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 21 for a moment. And the scripture should also be up on your screens, hopefully. In this chapter of Luke, Jesus was giving his disciples a glimpse of what would come upon this world in the day shortly before he returned to earth to judge the world and establish his kingdom on earth forever. For instance, Jesus spoke about not being deceived by false teachers or false pastors who would come. He spoke about nations rising up against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. He spoke of wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, famine. Sounds like a great day. All increasing, he says, as if they were birth pains leading up to the return of Christ. And Jesus said that the people on the earth during these days would be living in great fear 
of what was coming upon the earth in those days. But in verse 36 of Luke chapter 21, listen to what Jesus instructs his followers to do about it. While remembering Peter's instructions regarding the end of all things, Jesus says to his disciples, be always on watch. Be always on watch. Pay attention of what's going on, he's saying there. And pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen to you and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You see, Jesus was speaking to his followers who were about to face extreme persecution themselves in those days. But he was also speaking of a time in the future when the entire world would be turned upside down and what his church is to do about that. You see, there would be confusion, there would be fear among people in this world. Hatred would grow as well. False teachers would come to bring all some sort of false sense of unity among the people, only deceiving the people to fall further away from God. And Jesus even warned that many in the church would be deceived and fall away in those end days. You see, Peter, like Jesus, is telling Christ followers to stay in prayer. Because in prayer, that is where it will help you to stay alert at all times. <clears throat> Remember what Jesus said, be always on the watch. Prayer is what gives the Christian the ability to stay on the watch, to discern what is going on around them. Prayer is what gives the Christian the strength to keep moving forward and to be able to escape all that is coming upon the earth. So the Christian will be able to stand before the Son of Man, who is Jesus Christ, in the last days or end of days. Now let me take a step back for a moment and talk about where we are in this world in light of what the scripture shares regarding of what's coming upon the earth. Now, as I talked about, the Christians in the early days of the church were facing death simply because they refused to stop preaching Jesus to the world. And if those Christians were not in constant prayer, the truth is they would never be able to stand over what was coming upon them. Think about it. These Christians were told, back those, those days, they would be told to deny Christ. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop preaching Jesus or they would be killed. But if those Christians did not have that intimate connection, that intimate relationship with Jesus through prayer in their life, they would have easily been deceived or they would have easily denied Christ in fear because they had a lot to fear over. You see, the Lord has really been impressing on my heart lately that the church today needs to wake up. It needs to wake up so it can be able to stand on Christ over what is coming upon this earth. 
We need to stop for a moment. Stop for a moment and look around us to be on watch, as Jesus says, of what is occurring in this world today. Now, I realize it's not a very popular thing to take a stand on. <clears throat> it's not even popular to take a stand for Christ in this world and for God's word in this world. And it's certainly not popular for me to be speaking about it, even from the pulpit. For instance, do we ever think about the things that God hates? Yeah, I said hates. For instance, millions and millions of babies are aborted and killed in the womb each year. But for many in the church, we fear talking about it. <coughs> because it's not the most popular subject to be talking about. And I realize there are women out there who have gone through an abortion. And they're dealing with the guilt. And they're dealing with the pain of that. <coughs> Excuse me. I understand that. And we don't want to talk about these issues because it does bring up past pain. But for those who have gone through it, there's grace still. There's forgiveness in the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, we need to be talking about it still. You see, the issue has been so politicized that many Christians fear that they might offend someone if they speak out against the horror of abortion. Many would rather talk about issues that are not so controversial, or at least in areas that we can find some common ground on. I hear that a lot coming from Christians and from the pulpit today. Let's find some common ground. And there's nothing wrong with finding common ground, but if we are using that as an excuse to avoid speaking truth and to be the light of truth over a controversial issue, we're angering God. And again, I say angering because God does get angry, especially when an innocent child is being killed. Do we stop for a moment and think what God thinks about a baby being killed in a womb? You see, God's word said he knitted that baby in the womb of its mother. Regardless of how that baby was conceived, we don't have that choice to kill it. And is the church taking a strong enough stand on that? We don't need to be hateful about it, but we need to stand for what is right and for what is true. Or are we fearful? We may sow more division in this world that is already so divided. Another issue is racism. There is real racism out there still. Now, if you study the original language that Jesus used in Luke chapter 21 when he was sharing about the end of days, this is very interesting to me. When Jesus said that nations would rise up against nation near the end of days, he also said kingdoms would rise up against kingdoms. Was Jesus just repeating himself, using two different words, describing the same thing? No. You see, nations in the original language that Jesus was using spoke and referred to as race. And kingdoms referred to 
in the original language was referred to as countries like the United States, Russia, Israel, or whatever country, Canada. There's a difference when Jesus is using those two words. Nations will rise up against nations. Kingdoms against kingdoms. Now, I didn't want to go so deep there, but I think we needed to understand this, that nations rising up against nations is speaking of racism increasing in this world as the end of days approaches. I ask, where's the church on this? Are we taking a strong enough stand against racism, speaking out as we should be speaking out about abortion? Or are we fearful that we may be sowing more division? <clears throat> you know, I can stand up here all day and list out things going on in this world where for the most part, the church is silent about. Even physical things beyond our control, earthquakes, as Jesus mentioned. Earthquakes, by the way, are increasing in diverse places, just as Jesus said they would. Pestilence or disease, that will continue to increase, just as Jesus said it would. Famine will increase, as Jesus said it would. But know this truth. There is going to come a day where Christians are going to be put in a situation where you're going to need to be able to stand on that truth and speak it. Even if it makes you to be an outcast or a weirdo. If you are a Christian, you need to take that stand and speak it boldly. Warn people in love on what is coming upon this earth. Will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stand and look at Jesus in the eye when he does return? Will Jesus be able to say to you, well done, my faithful servant? <coughs> the truth is you can't stand on your own in this fallen world. This fallen world will always be trying to pull you away as a Christian, as a believer from Christ, and away from standing on his truth. And the back to the ways of the world, to speak the ways of the world. People don't want to hear all this stuff, the world that is. The only way you're going to be able to stand is if you have been constantly on your knees before Jesus. And when you know Christ is with you, because you have been in prayer and you have that relationship, that strong bond with him. No one can come against you, even the devil. No one can come and steal your peace and joy and your love. Which gives you the power to stand on the truth. That's what Peter is talking about. Being in prayer. The end of days is coming. Be in constant prayer. Be self-controlled. Now, I know there may be some out there that say, come on, Pastor Mike. We've always had earthquakes. We've always had wars. We've always had pestilence and famine and hatred and racism. The world is no different today than it was 2,000 years ago. <coughs> now, I would ask you, I'm sorry for the cough. It's my allergies. I would ask you, are you sure about that? Are you sure it's no different than it was 2,000 years ago? But let's take earthquakes for a minute. 
just earthquakes, increasing in diverse places. I looked this up the other day ago. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, that's the U.S. government, in the 10-year periods between 1990 and 1999, there were 14,769 worldwide earthquakes of a 5.0 magnitude or above. In the 10-year period between 2000 and 2009, there were 17,221 worldwide earthquakes of 5.0 magnitude or above. In the 10-year period between 2010 and 2019, there were 18,005 worldwide earthquakes of 5.0 magnitude or above. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, worldwide earthquakes have been increasing by 22% every 10 years. And that percentage keeps increasing, actually. Scientists are saying they really don't have an explanation on why this is occurring. They're trying to figure it out. But Jesus said just over 2,000 years ago that this would occur. He told us. Christians shouldn't be surprised by this. You know, Peter warned that there would be people mocking Christians for saying that the end of days is near. I want you to turn to the second letter Peter wrote to Christians. Second Peter, actually, it's called. Where Peter is addressing this very thing. These words, by the way, are directed at the church today, specifically. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes to the church some more about the end of days. Peter even tells us why he is writing about this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Peter writes this concerning those end of days. He says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. There it is again, thinking like Christ. Think as Christ thinks. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior Jesus through your apostles. And Peter goes on in 3 and 4, verses 3 and 4. Now pay attention to this. He says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers or mockers will come scoffing and following after their own desires. They will say, here it is, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So I ask those again, those who may mock that we are in the end days, or mock Jesus' words, are you sure? Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Look, the point of me sharing all this is not to scare anyone. I'm convinced we are in the time of the birth pains that Jesus spoke about, and those birth pains are getting stronger. And I don't even have time to go into all the other evidence from Scripture and what is going on in this world today and why I believe this. But as we close out this sermon series, my prayer is that we would all understand why Peter wrote his letter to the church to begin with. You see, God wants us to be ready and not fall for the deception that is coming upon this earth. In verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4, 
Peter writes, if anyone speaks, he should, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. How are you speaking to others, especially to unbelievers? Are you speaking the very words of God to them? What I mean by that is this, is your opinion about whatever thing you're talking to them about backed up by the word of God when you speak out? Are you speaking for God? This is something as believers we should always be talking to God about through prayer, even before we ever open our mouths. I'm not perfect at this, I admit. But the more that I'm in his word and the more that I'm in prayer, his word strengthen my mouth. Are you serving God in the strength that he provides? You know, a lot of Christians serve God in the church and outside the church, but when troubled, troubled times come their way, or stress, or fear, they give up because they are not in constant prayer. You see, you're not going to be able to serve God in the long run when you're not serving in his power, especially as the end of days grows near and it's coming church i'm not trying so hard i'm trying i should say so hard not to be all doom and gloom because we have a hope in christ he's coming back maranatha but the church needs to stand strong and we need the lord's strength we can't do it unless we have the word of God in our hearts and we receive his strength through prayer by the Holy Spirit. I believe with all my heart that the biggest revival that the earth has ever seen is coming. I also think there's a big falling away coming because the word says it. Which side are you going to be on? You see, God is calling his faithful elect to preach and to live out the gospel in this world. Because God does not want anyone to perish. And when he says anyone, that means everyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish no matter what you have done. No matter what sin you have done, there is grace. And the church has a big responsibility to speak the truth in love. We're not supposed to be just sitting here and saying, let's all just have you unified together as we sing Kumbaya or whatever we sing. We need to be speaking truth and love on what is coming upon the earth and what is happening in this world due to sin. It's time for the church to wake up to this responsibility. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for again for your word, Lord. Lord, I pray as the day approaches of your return, Lord, that your church, this church here at Living Hope, but all the churches in our community and around the country and around the world, that we will be ready. But Lord, we can't be ready unless we have you with us. So Lord, I pray that 
your church, your elect, will get on their knees to use the gifts, to give them the power to use the gifts that you have given them, to speak your word into this world, your truth, to be the light of truth into this world despite the hardships, despite the persecution, despite the mockery that we can take a stand for you. I pray for your church, Lord. And I pray for those who don't know you. May they encounter another believer. Lord, would you lead them to encounter another believer who is standing up boldly for you with your truth and with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.